Alicia. And I'm Mary. And we're Merton and Morgan. <laughs> we're just two educators who have a love of literacy and learning. And we just want to share some topics that are on our mind with teachers and parents out there. We're so, excited that we're starting to learn to use some tools that let us talk right to the people who we know care the most about our kids. So hopefully you will relate to the topic that we have today. This is our first podcast, and so we're going to talk about writing. Um, I teach in an elementary school, as well as Mary. Yeah. And we are constantly um, being asked questions about how do I get my kids to write, um, they don't like to write, or they can't write, and so we have some suggestions for you today. That my favorite share. one is when they say, I don't have time to teach writing, right? Yes. That's our favorite. Yes. I don't have time to teach writing. Or I have to teach them how to read. I'm busy teaching reading, so I can't teach so writing. So I can't teach writing. Right. Exactly. And um, we know that when they are writing, they're reading. You have to go back, figure out what you're going to say, reread your sentence. Um, one of the things that I have recently shared with my kindergarten team is just um, a strategy of just making books, stapling some copy paper together, maybe four or five sheets, and just having your students draw and write. Um, I think drawing first helps kids generate ideas and um, also remember their message and what they are writing about. Because drawing's the first writing, isn't it? Yes. Kids learn yes. how to approximate symbols and draw before they can write letters or even understand what letters are. Absolutely. So we do a lot of that too. We do a lot of drawing. Kids' drawings can be a lot more detailed than their um, even oral languages. Do you notice that too? Yes, yes. And they spend a lot of time adding the details to their picture, which is okay. They a lot of times are surprised when you let them draw first. Do you ever have kids say, mm -hmm. what, the picture first? Yes. And I have a, um, many teachers actually say you have to write a sentence or two before you can draw. Right. And once they understand to flip that, um, they get a lot more writing exactly. out of the students. So, yes, I do see that. Then we try to label as much as we can, um, especially when I'm wor working with English learners. They don't always have all the vocabulary in English that they need, so we make a word bank that they don't even realize they're making. It's just labels on a picture, and that also helps them with that text feature later when they're looking at informational text and they see labels. They get it. Yes, they do. We use a lot of um, alphabet linking charts, too, for um, our early writers. Um, even in some of the upper grades, if they still have trouble um, formulating a sentence or knowing how to spell, um, we always have some kind of resources. We have a um, blends and digraphs chart mm -hmm. that the older students use. So that picture support still helps them formulate sounds and, um, and spelling as well. What do you do for some of your older kids who maybe are still struggling writers, but they and they really um, have a hard time with sight words still because sight words are irregular. Um, when they're writing and they're, you know, really needing the scaffolding, what do you do to help them with the sight words? Because they want to spell them correctly. If they have a writer's notebook, um, we usually put it um, in alpha box mm -hmm. in the back. 
and they um, make a collection of words that they know um, or words that they should know um, that they have trouble with and they have that resource. So as many resources as we can give them to um, make them become more independent, mm -hmm. we do that. So whether it's an alphabet chart, um, an alpha box where they can collect words. Some teachers just um, have a regular composition notebook and as they're learning words, they, um, they write them in mm -hmm. as well. Kind of like a personal dictionary. That's what we use a lot, and I just, as we're talking, I'm thinking about it, and I just grabbed a couple. We have them at different levels, but they're called Quick Word Handbooks for Everyday Writers. They're really inexpensive, and they have um, lots of words that are easy to confuse for kids and for, you know, intermediate elementary students. And then we have ones that are much simpler for the kids who are... Um, in the early grades and a lot of times what the kids will do in this handbook there'll be words that they've studied but they're still having trouble writing them they will highlight the word whenever they have to look for it so that way they can go straight back to it the next time and they keep those by their side so they can keep keep their sight words in line because they don't they know when it doesn't look right but they don't always know what to do about right, it right right yeah um, another good strategy I've seen some of um, the older students use is um, having some kind of picture. They sketch it, mm -hmm. um, whatever they feel like that word means, to mm -hmm. help them remember. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes if they if it's a new word and they don't really, they haven't seen it mm -hmm. multiple times, it's hard to go back and spell something you don't really know what it is so they sketch it right as they're writing so they're sketching they it like when a... they when they add it to their notebook oh i like that that's pretty cool so whatever whatever symbol whatever they relate to mm -hmm. we, the teacher doesn't give them the picture or the photograph they just say what is it what is something that's going to help you remember that word because when they come back to it they're going to have to oh right okay no it's like looking a word up in a dictionary but yeah. not really knowing yeah. what you're looking for yes it makes me think of when we do the Freyer yeah. model for yes. vocabulary. They create yes. some sort of symbolic representation, but it has to be their own. Right. Because if someone else gives it to them, that's the research Marzano's done, says it doesn't work as well. Right. Okay, that's cool. So tell us how you make your books. Okay. How do you do it? Uh, well, we have um, paper available. So initially, I just take four to five um pieces of white copy paper just regular eight and a half by regular 11 copy paper regular okay. copy paper and um we staple it um horizontally so they're long mm -hmm. and the first page of course is the cover we always do the cover last and they just start to draw um and then as we're going around kind of conferencing and you can start this on the first day of school just go around ask them about draw ever, pictures on paper right we yeah. all are natural draw i mean we've had kids whether your own or students do the Sharpie on something, right? In the wall <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Um, a piece of furniture. Or their body. Or, or their, their body, absolutely. Body. <laughs> and so, um, and you could put out markers on the table if you want, colored pencils, crayons, um, but just something to um, spark their creativity. And they will really draw about anything. Do you ever you have just a leave it open. Say, I don't know what to draw. Not too often, all right. um, especially the younger students. They're all, um, they're they're always wanting to draw something. They don't really realize at first that they're making a book. Okay. You're just kind of saying, you know, we're gonna uh, make this book today, and they're kind of like, oh, 
okay, like Eric Carle or whoever they're familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, you would have read a book earlier in the day mm-hmm. and talking about how pictures and words match. Mm-hmm. Um, and Lisa Cleveland and Katie Woodray talk about that in some of their books, all about the authors. Um, and so we start with just those plain pieces of paper. We go around and kind of talk to them about, okay, tell me what you're drawing and um, can you write a sentence about that or can you label who's in your picture? Um, and they, most of the time, they're usually using symbols if they're in kinder, beginning kindergarten. Mm-hmm. And we, dict- they dictate to us and we kind of write it um, on the back or on posted notes um, so that we know what they've said. And then after their book is finished, what do you want to call your book? What's your book about? If they've written something about tigers, let's say, then it would make sense to title your book Tigers. But the good thing is a child can finish a book in a couple of days and then start on start on a brand new book. Mm-hmm. So it's not something you have to reteach. You just kind of build from where they are. It's a great assessment tool when you're just learning. Um, like writing always is. student. Yeah, the best assessment tool. Absolutely. You can see where they are, where the next steps, where mm-hmm. their misconceptions are. Um, it helps you even know about their oral language when you see what they yes. write. Yeah. Um, what phonics mm-hmm. instruction is needed. Yep. And then how they, um, really the concepts of print, mm-hmm. you know, how they um, write their sentence. Is it top to bottom? Is uh-huh. it left to right? Um, you know, do they do they know pu- how to use punctuation effectively, capital letters? So um, it's good for all those common core standards as well for, for ELA. So if you have some five-year-olds, let's say, kindergarten kids, and they're making their book, Will they be able to read that book back to you as a teacher, or does that even matter? When they yeah. revisit their book, if it's mostly just symbolic, you know, they they're that you haven't underwritten what they've told you, right? You're not going to write down the. I correct. just wrote it like on the back. You write so, it somewhere so, so I would you know. can right. see, but not for them to have it correct in their right. book, right? Because sometimes they'll go back and and they remember their message, and sometimes they just retell their pictures mm-hmm. um, for whatever they come up with the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great for, like I said, reinforcing those concepts about print mm-hmm. and um, reading one-to-one matching. You know, mm-hmm. you can see if they have spaces, if they understand, um, you know, letters make words and words make sentences. You know, do they understand that concept? But that's where the pictures come into play. Mm-hmm. Why it's important for them to have some kind of illustration because they can always go back, you know, that three ways of reading. Mm-hmm. Can you read the pictures? Can you read the words? Can you retell? And so they're able to have discussions about their books, even if they don't quite remember exactly what they've what they've written. Okay, that's and, not the goal. Is for them to be to accurately tell you what was on the page. That's not no. the most important thing. Okay. It's just to get their ideas down and start to get some of those early literacy skills in an authentic way that engages every student. It's automatic choice because they have choice and. What they're writing about, how they're drawing it, the tools they're using. The tools they're using. And then um, we start to add different forms of paper. Mm -hmm. So you can even, um, you know, do a vertical book or you can add pages. Mm -hmm. Um, You can start to have a box at the top for their picture and then add some lines Mm -hmm. at the bottom. So they have some paper choice as well as as you continue um, through the process. And it's good because they start to. Once they're exposed to more read-alouds and, and different authors and illustrators, they start to say, 
hey, my book's kind of like oh, Kevin Hinkis. Now they start or, to have mentors. Yes. Because they see that connection. Yes. Well, yeah. Plus, they feel like an author from day one. Absolutely. They feel like, I can do this. This is not something beyond me instead of being given a set of skills that they're not, they don't manage and control yet. Yes. And not being able to live up to that expectation, they immediately are doing it where they are. And so they can just express themselves without having, you know, any restrictions put on them as far as their literacy level or whatever. How much preschool they may have had or how many books have been read to them or any of those factors. Right. They're they're always ready to produce something because because they can. Because they believe they can. And and every child can do it. Yeah. You're kind of cashing in on the young kid thinking, I can do it. Yes. Well, (laughs) yes. You're banking on that. (laughs) At at that age, they still believe they can can do anything. They do. Um, And it's a great, I just think, too, it's a great segue into that um, independent reading because a lot of times we don't have books that they can read just yet. Mm -hmm. But they can always, just like we said earlier, they can always go back and reread the pictures of the books that they have created because they know the topic they're the creator mm-hmm. um so it's not too abstract yet and then they have this collection of books that they can read mm-hmm. um from By day one classmates mm-hmm. and themselves right where do you store the books how do you make it so kids can access those easily um people have had different um in in lisa cleveland and katie would raise books um all about the authors they have um different bins um, sometimes they they separate it from boys to girls on one side of the room. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids just had book bags, so mm-hmm. they kept them in their um, their book bags. And after they um, they hit a certain number, I just send them home. Um, once they start to dig into our library, or they their cubbies are are overflowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you. It, I think it's nice to keep them for a while. It's mm-hmm. definitely good till maybe after the first report card. Um, you have a lot of great work, authentic work samples right there to show parents. Kids can see their growth really quickly mm-hmm. um, from one book to from like book one to book eight, mm-hmm. maybe, and, and see how much they've grown. They're great conferencing yeah. tools. I'm so just thinking just about great. one of my own kids who used to write with me when he was little and uh, we found his notebook not too long ago and he had drawn a um, Game Boy on it with the little controllers and written a very simple little story which was a sentence and he just went on and on about I remember that Game Boy and I remember when I wrote that with you and I remember when I drew that you know and it was like wow it was so cool that we found that notebook because he and he was probably four when he did it and he's 14 now he thought he wanted to go through every single page and it was almost like a diary of him being four you know but they were just sentences he wrote with his mom because his mom's a teacher you know yeah trying to get him to write but he loved it so much so i think they will value it you know yeah and i think it's a great thing to do at home Mm -hmm. like if parents come to you and they're like i can't get my child to write what do i do and maybe not not focusing so much on the handwriting aspect but just sitting down and making a book together and stapling some papers together, giving them crayons or color pencils or markers and just letting them go. What might you do as a next step after you do your first book and then you, and do you, I'm assuming you let kids read each other's books, right? If they want to, they can read each other's books? They can't. Well, uh, typically, because it's a workshop model, you would mm-hmm. do a share. 
okay. a share at the end. Okay. Um, and maybe pick that that child that you um that is exhibiting a teaching point that you want to highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, to probably springboard for the next day. I would just say because we're. I'm thinking of um, kindergartners in my head at this point, or just er- emergent writers in general. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the first thing I would think of would be spacing, just mm-hmm. because when they, um, to connect it back to a normal book, mm-hmm. authors use spaces so that we can read the words. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would be the first place that I would begin. Okay. You know, we're, um, when we write words down, there has to be spaces in between so that we can read them. Okay, and then you would and show so them know. that in a book, like an I would show them book, that, in, so yes. that they this can book. all see the book. Yes. Okay. Um, Susie today used good spacing in between her words. That helps us read better. Just like when we read our Eric Carl book earlier, do you see how he uses spaces so okay. that the reader can can read what he's written? So then after you would do something like that, would you have the kids practice that? Would you give them an opportunity to write some words yeah. with space between them? I would maybe just invite them the next day in workshop to, that would probably be our focus for mm-hmm. that day when you're making your book today. Remember, other you want, you're you going to want other people to read it when it's finished. Mm-hmm. For you to read it, make sure you try to use spaces in between your words. I love it. It's so, and then um, you just springboard from there. It's it comes from the kid. It's one yes. of those starts at the child kind of techniques, but it also is a rich opportunity for teaching and formatively assessing and knowing what you're going to do next time. Yes, and it's just so engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times they don't want to stop, and <laughs> and they write for a while mm-hmm. longer than you would expect mm-hmm. because they're invested in mm-hmm. this book that's theirs. <laughs> Not something they have to do, but something that. You know, they they're, just they're excited do. about doing. Mm-hmm. What about the covers? Do you get fancy with those? I've seen people they do can. cardboard covers and cloth covers and things like that. I ne- I just use my paper, really. I did go get some, um, it was before all the um, tape, the mm-hmm. different tape came out with oh, all of designs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the duct tape. The duct tape. Mm-hmm. It was just plain colors at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's You're like eight so years ago. <laughs> so, but at the time, the colors just came out. Dresses and things out of tape. <laughs> um, and so we just really put tape on the binding, and that was enough. They yeah. they then thought that was great. Like a book. But I know that there are companies and things that you can send your yeah. books out for your classes, and they mm-hmm. they will bind them for you and mm-hmm. um, and do those types of things, but. Really, the kids just want their, they don't, they care. don't care. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Well, I know when you were telling me about this, it made me think about generating um, text with kids, how powerful that is even before they feel like they can write, especially if they're English learners and they can't find, you can't find text that really meets their needs that they can use a strategy called language experience approach. And you can watch a video, have some sort of common experience with the kids. It can be a virtual or a real experience. It can be a book you read. And then you work with the kids to write about that. And that written piece that you do with the kids becomes their text for um, doing what you can cut the sentences apart and have them put them back together. You can take the sentences and cut them into words and have them put the words in order. It's a lot of what you're talking about, but with older kids who are still at those emergent stages they um they really enjoy having a text that's about something that is very um um 
literally in their world. And it also is helping them build background knowledge at the same time, which they don't always realize that they're doing that. But um, then they can also, you can make a clothes activity out of it. You can leave some words out. If you're working on sight words, you could leave a couple sight words out, see if they can, you know, figure out where the, those words go. But that just becomes your text for your instruction during your um, part of your literacy time. And it's just a really um, effective strategy. I'll never forget one time doing um, that with some kids who were from Cuba and had never seen snow before. And it snowed and I took them outside on the playground and they uh, we came back in and we wrote about that. And I think that was their favorite thing that they had ever written. Because it was their first time to see snow, you know? Yeah. So how are you going to find a better, you know, text than that for that particular group right. of kids? Right, nice who experienced it. Yeah, so there's a lot of things that kids can do themselves. They can create their own text. They can write their own books. They can be their own author and reader and yes. mm-hmm, guide themselves. What would you tell a teacher to do to get started? What should she be? Would, would you start with kindergarten, you say? Think, uh, is this something that begins with kindergarten or... I think I, this is something I think you could do at um, any level, really. Yeah. Um, and I, I would just say have some different mediums available. Colored mm-hmm. pencils, crayons, um, markers. Every every child likes to use colored pencils, crayons, and markers. They do. It doesn't matter how old you are. And that's so And true. everybody has something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as you get older, you mm-hmm. might just have to have the conversation about not everyone's an artist. You know, just do mm-hmm. your best. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. It's just for you. What um, about an and error? I just have if, some I'm sorry paper. to interrupt you. No, no, no. If they have a, a mistake and they're using marker and they're a little older because you know they don't like to have those mistakes, um, what do they do? Do you think they should, I don't know. I what? think they could just ask for a... Um, blank piece of paper and staple oh, okay. it and then just replace the page if it's that big of a deal right if it's that big of a deal all right yeah that's easy enough um i wouldn't throw out the whole book no. just give them some problem solving options yeah because they don't want scribbles in there either right. they think it's, they, they're treating it like a book they want it to look good mm-hmm. you know yeah and smaller kids will just exit out and keep going <laughs> a lot of times or yeah. i've seen kids make something else that it wasn't intended for. They just kind of change, like if it's a drawing, mm-hmm. they just change it into something else. Yeah, or yeah. they simply mark out the word. And especially yeah. if you've taught them to self-edit, they just mm-hmm. do it and go on. And Roll then if they on. want that page changed, they just redo it on a different. So I would just staple some paper together and go. Wow. And see what happens. It sounds so easy, and yet, you know, you don't really see it being done very often. It's a very simple process with so many great advantages. Mm -hmm. I I think maybe it's too easy, Mm -hmm. and so we may be afraid of that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, what what are we really going to get out of it? What are the kids really going to learn from it? Mm -hmm. And once you look at it from this lens, it's really they're, they're learning a lot. And you get a lot of information about your child is a, a reader and writer. Yeah. Um, but the process is pretty simple. And then, you, but you really have to look at their writing and, and go from there. I have one more question for you about this. What would you do or what would you say to someone who says, but the books are for the published work. They're not for your first try. Like an author doesn't really put their first thinking into a book. Um, what's a different way for someone to think about that? 
you know, like a lot of times we publish a kid's story in a paper, you know, looks like a or book. Like a brainstorm. So, yeah, so that they know it's like this is the special final. You revised whatever you did. Now it looks like a book. So but... I would maybe say um, these books are a way to get them started mm-hmm. um, with just writing. And if you want to officially publish something, you choose you choose the book that you want to mm-hmm. publish the one that you really want to um, publish for the public to read. Okay. I think... Um, Make that differentiation yes. for them. I think they can understand that. Because there are some things that are just for you. Yeah. And there are things that, that you want to share um, yeah. with with an audience. Yeah, and I think you could make that connection oh, to like a journal absolutely. or a notebook. You know, those are books too. Right. And that those hold your ideas before you're ready to share them with everyone. Absolutely. I like that. That's pretty cool. Have you ever thought about digitizing this whole process? Have you ever thought about making a digital, making letting kids make digital books? I have actually. Okay. <laughs> Your face is so funny. I have. You're like um, you thought you got me with that but question, I but you didn't. But I can't remember the medium that we use. I can't remember the. Um, was it the iPad or what was it on? No, it was, and it was about ten years ago. Okay. <laughs> that we did this. Um, and I, I can't remember. Was it, what grade did you do it with? What grade? First, it was first grade. Okay. Um, and computer or tablet? It was or? a computer, not okay. a tablet. All right. Um, and it was in our computer lab. Mm-hmm. And I can see it in my head. And you would know it. But I can't think of it. So it's maybe. It's photo story, is it? It might be photo story. Okay, that's a good one. It might be photo story. Yeah, that's a free um, app, too, uh, that you can yeah. get. Um, but you could... Um, scan we we literally scanned their picture in okay and then they um typed their text in and it made a little book for them and you could print the book out oh that's nice um i'll check and see if it's that photo story reader maybe it was that one that's another one we used to have a while ago so what i can do is when i remember Mm -hmm. i'll put it um i'll put a link in our okay podcast and so anyone wants to if it's still around i'm sure there are many out there though yeah. since then updated updated versions but i know my kids really love on the ipad um using one that's called puppet um puppet edu it has a little rabbit and i could put a link to that too okay. but puppet is a really nice um it basically is just for digital stories and it can the kids can take pictures with the ipad of what they drew they can write about it they can also um narrate it with audio if they want to and um, they can share that to a google drive or if you're using seesaw as a portfolio digital portfolio they can upload it straight to that it's free and they love it they really do so all those things all right well i think that's enough for us for tonight don't you yeah Pretty exciting, getting kids to write. I think writing can be their favorite thing if we just let them do it and stop, you know, putting our fears. And we were going to talk about that for a second. Why do we think teachers don't like or don't teach writing as much as they? I think we feel like it has to look a certain way. And I I think that pressure, um, you know, probably comes from administrators. And um, I I think it's scary sometimes Uh. to just let, to just let the students go, mm-hmm. um, especially younger students. I feel like we always have, we feel like we have to navigate their way mm-hmm. for them. 
Um, but it's just so interesting if we just kind of give them the tools and step back and watch. Mm-hmm. Um, they come up with things beyond our expectations yes. most of the time. Their thinking is a lot deeper yes. than we give them credit for. I know I've experienced that with some, especially fourth and fifth graders, sometimes boys, you know, because they've got a female teacher, me, and they might be a little reluctant to, to say something, but when they write it, you know, especially if we're using a mentor text that has a lot of feeling, they will say some of the most right, some of the most profound things that just, you know, I'll show it to a teacher and they'll say, where did that come from, you know? Right. <laughs> I've never heard that student say anything like that. So it's really powerful for um, building those social, emotional relationships and understandings. Absolutely, yes. And then mentor text. That's probably a whole other podcast. That's but, another one. Um, we got those. Using mentor text um, <laughs> as examples of writing just takes them to a whole other level. Yes, I want to do sure. that for sure in the next one. But right now we're almost at the 30-minute mark, and that's probably as long as anybody wants to hear us talk about <laughs> drawing and writing books. Yay, our first podcast. <laughs> our first Thank podcast. You. Yes, we're going to try to have one, um, maybe one every other week to put up and um you'll have a chance to comment and um till next time